Welcome to Leadership Network's Future Church Podcast, a podcast with groundbreaking ideas curated just for you. With the need for the gospel in our generation, we must not look for a silver bullet approach. We believe there are many expressions of the local church. Learn how today's thought leaders are navigating the future of the church, 21st century solutions to 21st century challenges. We help leaders get the clarity needed to move from good ideas and intentions to results and impact. For more information about Leadership Network's resources, to help you pursue healthy growth and 100x impact, visit leadnet.org. Well, welcome to Leadership Network's Ventures podcast. In each podcast, we interview one of the grant winners from our recent Shark Tank and kind of discover what God's doing there. During our Shark Tank, uh, we invite new and innovative initiatives to talk about how they're finding new ways uh, to share the gospel and make disciples. So when we get a chance to, to dig in later, it's fun. My name is Hal Mayer, and today I'm talking with Tyler Workman uh, with Coa Refuge. And uh, Tyler, tell us a minute just about your family and where you're located. Yeah, so we are located in Masaka, Uganda. Um, that's kind of our headquarters. And I am married. I've been married um, for 14 years, and I have six kids. Um, wow. Three biological kids and three adopted kids. Uh, so good. So tell me about your journey in faith before starting this ministry. What, what, when did you come to Christ? How did that happen? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I was, I was super blessed to grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents loved the Lord and uh, we, we grew up in a, a real Southern, Southern Baptist uh, um, background. And so that's kind of how I grew up. And then uh, at about 10 years old, we started going to a non-denominational church um, that really had a lot of focus on missions. Uh And so really, I felt called to missions work at an early age. I went on my first mission trip to Lima, Peru when I was 13. Wow. And uh, and just we just saw the Lord move. We saw miracles. We saw people coming to Christ. And I just felt even at that age, I felt called to missions and at 16, I took my first mission trip to the continent of Africa, to Botswana. Um, okay. spent a month in a tent uh, out in the bush. And uh, that's really when I fell in love with Africa and, and felt that calling full time to Africa. Um, so, yeah, I just re- really blessed growing up like that. Um, I did kind of get into the wrong crowd, you know, when I was a teenager and um, actually committed a, a felony when I was 15 years old. All right. And, uh, and through that process, um, the Lord really kind of got me out of that, out of that crowd and back, back on track and, um, and seeking him and, and on that path to, to full-time missions. Oh, that's so good. Um, <clears throat> tell me a minute about the refuge, when it started and, and why it started. I, I know you feel a call to missions, but tell me what God was doing there. Yeah, so I actually met my wife at a missionary training school with uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, okay. in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we both kind of felt called to full-time missions um, to the African continent, and uh, but but she was going to school to be a nurse. Um, I was in construction and was just getting my general contractor's license, and so we were talking about doing missions but we weren't really moving in that direction. Um, so she graduated and uh, we, we got married just before she graduated. And she, she started working at the Mayo Clinic in Florida. 
I started my construction company and we, we really were just uh, chasing money, you know, and chasing success, yep. just like everybody else around us. And uh, we actually went to a, a young adult um, worship night at our church. And that's really when the Lord just kind of moved on us. And, and separately, really, we we're in, in separate parts of the room worshiping the Lord. And we got in the car that night and both looked at each other and said, I, I got, I have to tell you something, you know, we kind of, you know, you first, no, you first. And it was really just that the Lord had spoken to each of us saying, if you want to obey my call, um, you've got to start taking steps in that direction. And so actually that night, um, it was, it was uh, October 8th, um, 2000, when was it? 2008, October 8th, 2008, I think it was. We, we went home and we incorporated a code refuge um, that night and started the process of, of starting the ministry and the 501c3. So how long after that did you move to Africa? So we moved here full time uh, four years after that, in 2012. Okay. So we've been here a little over 10 years. And so as a code refuge, um, we exist to partner with the local church. Uh, wherever we are, we partner with the local church to glorify God by strengthening the family unit and transforming entire communities. Okay. And, and so, you know, you, you have an interesting statement. Y'all probably started out focusing in one area, but then you've, you've got several spokes on this wheel. Tell us about that. Yeah, so when we first moved here, our, our main focus was working with orphans and vulnerable children and training pastors and planning churches. And so uh, we run children's homes. We, have, uh, we currently have about 125 children that live in our rescue center full time. Um, and in, in the last 10 years, we've resettled uh, over 300 kids back into healthy families. Um, but our focus with training pastors and, and planning churches that really began even before we moved to Uganda full-time, we were traveling back and forth a lot. And we started our first two year Bible school in 2011 and we trained our first 45 pastors there in Masaka, Uganda. And since that time, um, that program has grown now to five nations five African nations. Um, we have 98 Bible schools in operation. Um, we've graduated over 1,500 students through our two-year program and currently have about 1,700 students enrolled and studying right now. That's a 98. Wow. That's just, I love it. I love it. Um, so go ahead. So from from that's kind of how we got our start, and from there, we've, as you said, we've we've added a lot of spokes to the wheel. Um, we work with people, uh, children with disabilities, adults with disabilities, um, creating uh, training opportunities for them, places to learn skills and, and do business. Um, we have what's called a one-stop business center for people with disabilities, and then we also have a program for children with disabilities. And for us, that's really orphan prevention. Um, so we provide support for children who are in families um, and we provide uh, food security. We provide assistive devices, so wheelchairs and standing frames. 
We provide physical therapy, occupational therapy, and training for the caretakers and parents on a quarterly basis so that they can better care for their child. Um, we also have a program that's called uh, Gender Violence uh, Program, where we partner with the Ugandan government and run gender-based violence shelters. So this basically is for survivors of domestic abuse, sex trafficking, um, any kind of sexual violence. And we, the, what happened was the Ugandan government came to us and asked if we could help um, run their shelters. And so we provide wow. all the funding, all the management, all the staffing um, for two centers currently. Um, and we also provide legal help as well. So we're there from the very beginning. Um, offering medical care for these survivors to counseling, to therapy, all the way through legal help, um, through their case, through court to see the perpetrators convicted of these crimes. Right. Um, even all the way back to working with the police um, to see that these perpetrators are arrested. Um, we handle, so in 2022, we handled 795 cases. Um, through our two centers, we we were able to help with over 100 arrests, and we saw seven seven convictions. Um, actually, just recently, we had two 30 year convictions on um, traffickers, and that's that was a big win for us. Wow, so good! Hey, tell me a little bit about how you do church planting. I mean, do you have an idea how many churches you planted? And, you know, how you're doing that? Yeah, so we really got um, started in that uh, in 2016. And since 2016, we've planted 1,200 churches and, uh, in, five, in five countries. Wow, that's and incredible. We've been, able to, we've been able to put structures, uh, temporary structures, around 210 of those. So really the process for us, it kind of, it doesn't always begin the same way. Um, we we use discovery Bible study method, disciple making movements, um, uh-huh. and so sometimes we start with the DBS, and that discovery Bible study grows and it multiplies, um, and it becomes a church, and then we build a structure around that church, and then we start a Bible school, a two year Bible school program held in that building. And so then that's where we can train more disciple makers um, who can go out and make more disciples. So our Bible school program is a, is a two year program. Um, We use harvest time international, um, which is based out of California. It's a, um, a a really comprehensive curriculum that was created specifically for developing nation pastors. And we've seen a ton of success through that. It's 24 topics. And our students meet for one week a month for 24 months. And so we're able to watch these men and women, these disciple makers for two years. And the very first thing that we teach them is disciple making movements. It's how to go and start a discovery Bible study in their community, in a lost community, um, an unreached or an unchurched community. And so right away, we're teaching them how to do that. We're sending them out. Um, they go, they pray for a person of peace. Nine times out of 10, as most of you probably know, that person of peace is a person of influence in the community. It's a local chief, it's an elder, 
Um, it's a bit, you know, an influential business person that the Lord has prepared to be the gateway for the gospel into that community. And so they start discipling that person of peace and their family. And then that grows and that multiplies in that community. Um, and so, like I said, we've since 2016, um, all this is all indigenous. Um, so all indigenous disciple makers that have started um, and planted over 1,100 churches um, in the last seven years, uh, some of those up to four generations deep. So we, oh, nice. we come alongside and we, and we build a structure, a temporary structure. They have to provide the land. They have to provide most of the materials, the, the local body of believers. And then we provide the metal roof and we provide 25 Bibles in their language. And, and when we do that, we say, hey, you've got one year to complete the walls of your building and you've got three years to plant another church. Um, and many times they plant well before three more years. Um, and like I said, we've seen fourth and even fifth generation in the last seven years. Um, and that's in Uganda, that's in Rwanda, that's in Kenya, South Sudan, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. That is, man, well done, bro. Way to push in. I love this. Uh, what are some of your distinctives at ACOA? I mean, what what do you think, uh, maybe not different than other, but other groups, but what you find is the most important things you center around or or, yeah. or structure like that? So the, the things that, that really drive us, the things that we say, you know, our non-negotiables, our values would be um, breaking, breaking negative cycles, uh, reaching the unreached, sacrificial service, um, and, of, you know, glorifying God. Th those are the things. And, and when we say things like reaching the unreached, of course, we mean unreached people groups, uh, but we also mean the disabled child that has not been reached, right? We also mean the sex trafficking victim who has not been reached, who has not been rescued. Um, this goes across really everything that we do and, and all the things that we do, the gospel is what drives them. Um, you know, we like to say that the gospel is the vehicle of everything that we do and all these other, these ministries and these departments are really just the exhaust of that vehicle. They're the outcome of transformed okay. people transforming their communities. Um, you know, cause we know that the gospel transforms and, and when the gospel transforms people, they, they go into their communities, they transform their communities. And the outcome is that the orphan is cared for, um, is that the, the disabled are valued, right? It's that the, those that are being exploited in any way, um, are rescued, they're taken care of. And so that's, those are those things, breaking those cycles, strengthening families, creating and strengthening families. Those are the things that really drive our decisions and everything that we do. If you're like most leaders, no one ever actually taught you how to lead a church. Even if you ace seminary, there are so many unanswered questions and problems that no one equipped you for. It's time to take the mystery out of leading your church forward. The Art of Leadership Academy is an online learning community created by Carrie Newhoff. Inside, you'll find a host of premium on-demand courses and the strategies and insights you need to lead and grow your church. 
Plus, the Art of Leadership Academy offers community hosted by qualified experts and peer-to-peer learning. And you'll get live monthly coaching and done-for-you staff training, all for $397 a year. That's it. No catch. Think of it as the best investment in leadership development you'll make all year. Go to theartofleadershipacademy.com to sign up. That's theartofleadershipacademy.com to learn more and to get instant access. Give me some things you've learned along the way. I mean, you can go back to when you started. What are some pivot points, some things you learned, maybe some things you tried that didn't work? Surely you've got some of that, but just some key learnings along the way. For sure. Um, Probably one of the biggest and probably the most painful is really just um, to empower and to trust um, the team and uh, the the team members, the staff, the the local team that that we built. Um, It was really not until we were able to identify, develop and empower other leaders that we were able to see the growth and to see the multiplication uh-huh. um, that we're seeing now for a long time, you know, as a, as a young leader, I, I mean, we moved to Uganda when I was 24 years old. <clears throat> and so I hadn't really led anything before and uh, you know, starting this thing and trying to be obedient and seeing it start to grow and be quote successful. Um, but just really being too controlling and, and wanting to, to have my hand on everything which just led to burnout, you know, and, and to unhealthy, unhealthy relationships and marriage and family and all of that, um, which led even to us coming off the field for like six months and really just refocusing and, and getting our marriage healthy and getting the ministry healthy and, and listening to those people a lot smarter and wiser and more experienced than me say, man, you're, you're never, you're, you're the lid right now to everything that you're doing. And until you trust and empower the people around you, this thing's not going to, not going to go anywhere. And so really that starts right with trusting the Lord and, and, (laughs) and saying, God, I, I'm not the one who's got this. You've got this. And I trust you. And I trust that you're bringing the right people on board for me to empower and to trust and to give authority to that. That was really, that was a big one. That was a big learning. um, Yeah experience for us big time and and really just it shaped everything moving forward just that we wanted everything to be indigenous um to be sustainable for all of these local churches to be sustainable um we don't there's no ongoing funding from a co refuge to these churches that we plant these are not a co refuge churches uh we we partner across many church networks across many denominational lines um to see the gospel move as fast as possible to as many people as possible. Oh man. So good. So how long have you been doing uh, discovery Bible studies? That we started in 2016. So it's been a little over six years. Was that a game changer for you? It was, it was uh, definitely a thousand percent um, to go from that. I don't want to say old model because it's not, it's not that it, that model can't be used in places, but the model of um, buy land, build a church, put a sound system in it, fill it with chairs, and then bring a pastor and ask the Lord to fill it with people, right? 
that was kind of the transition away from that to let's just make disciples. Um, and let's just see what, let's just teach them to obey all that the Lord commanded them. Um, and let the Holy spirit move and the gospel move as fast as possible. Um, and that, that absolutely changed, changed everything. Um, we, you know, right now our hardest thing is just trying to keep up with the data, right? Like, uh, keep up sure. with the inf- get that information back from our from our regional leaders um, in the different countries um, just to hear uh, you know how many how many new DBSs were started this month you know and how many people came to the Lord this month and how many schools were started and you know that kind of thing it was definitely a game changer and it it also led us to another thing that I, we're super excited about which is just um, sending indigenous missionaries. So sending Ugandans, South Sudanese, East Africans as missionaries to North and West Africa, to unreached people groups. Oh, wow. Um, okay. We, we really believe that the unreached people groups of the African continent are going to be reached by African disciple makers. Um, there's about 990 unreached people groups on the African continent. And we believe that they're going to be reached um, really by African disciple makers. And um, just because of our location, East African church, we we're praying to see a missionary movement out of the East African church to North and West Africa. And so currently we have seven full-time Ugandan and South Sudanese missionaries in the field. And five of them are working with unreached people groups. Um, We're in, in Chad, we're in Zanzibar. We're about to launch to Sudan, to the, the Nuba people in the Nuba mountains of, of Sudan. Um, and so that's something we just have a dream and, and a passion to see dozens and dozens of East African missionaries sent to North and West Africa. Oh, that's so good. So <clears throat> tell me some big challenges. What's the big rock you guys are chasing? Um, a couple of big challenges at the moment. Uh, one would be launching our missionary Satamon to the Nuba people in Sudan Um, We're hoping to take a scouting trip there um, in early March of 2023. Um, And it's just a tough, it's a tough place to get to, you know, we're, we're hitting a lot of roadblocks. Um, So that's a challenge right now, as well as really just on a bigger scale of having that culture shift and that mindset shift of the East African big C church to not be the ones receiving missionaries, but be the ones sending missionaries. Um, So that's definitely a challenge for us right now um, that we're really just like, right. It's just prayer and fasting and, and asking the Lord to move and the Holy spirit to move um, in, in this region. Um, But another one, uh, a big one for us right now is that we are working with the, the Ugandan police force to, create a memorandum of understanding for us to be able to bring in um, human trafficking, sex trafficking training to the Ugandan police force Um, in our, in our district, but also wider throughout the entire country. Um, We've made huge strides um, and we're kind of at this place right now where um, it's, it's been days away for the last couple months. Um, So that's a big a big challenge for us. We're, we're on the, we're one, one desk away from the inspector general of police, which is our last signature. 
I mean, what this, what this would mean is that we would be able to, Alcoa Refuge would be able to partner with the Ugandan police force to train on a lot of different anti-trafficking tactics, as well as help with actual operations to catch these traffickers. And we also will be doing that in partnership with a group called the Sentinel Foundation, which are all um, special forces, CIA, FBI guys. So this is what they do um, in about 15 other countries. So it's a big thing that we've been working on, but it's a, it's a challenge right now. Oh, man, that's so good. So <clears throat> if, if people want to find out more about what you guys are doing there, what's your website? So our website is okoarefuge.org, and that's okoarefuge.org. They can learn everything on that website. Of course, we're on Facebook. uh, We're on Instagram, Okoa Refuge. And, um, yeah, they they can follow us on there, keep up with all of our updates, and and see what what we've been doing. You're also going to be launching an app this year? That's right. Our goal is – End of Q3, beginning of Q4, 2023, we're going to be launching an app. Um, and really, our goal um, is it, it's, it's going to look a lot like a social media platform. Yeah. And it's going to have constant updates from all of our different departments, like daily updates, feed feeding to that. So our hope is uh, everybody will get just as addicted to our app as they are to Instagram. <laughs> Uh, wake up in the morning and say, hey, what's going on uh, with church planning at a co refuge and, and run through the feed. So um, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping everybody updated on when that launches. Um, we're super excited about it. Man, I appreciate this interview so much. By the way, some of you that are listening are hearing a glitch or two along the way. Like he mentioned, he's in Africa and I'm in Florida. And sometimes the Internet's just not perfect. But uh Great stuff today, man. I really appreciate this. I first heard about you through uh, Leadership Network CEO, Carrie, and uh, she was telling me about what God was doing there. Got to meet you at our Shark Tank. And man, just to follow you down here, God's story. It's so good. Keep doing all the good work, man. We're so- Thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, having me on here today. And uh, big thanks to Leadership Network and uh, and also to Carrie Williams. Uh, She's known me since uh, I was about 10 years old. So we go oh, really? Does yeah. she have dirt on you? Probably, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, God's best to you. Hey, folks, thanks for listening in. Thank you.